important strategic growth meeting. It's very important for us to have leadership meeting in the church at least two to four times a year. Every church should have a leadership meeting. If we're not training and teaching leaders, then we can't grow. Um, leadership is what the church will grow on. So if we don't have the what they like to call the infrastructure, the undergirding of leadership, then we can't grow. We need leaders to grow. And so this is our first meeting. This was supposed to be in January. And so we didn't get a chance to do that. We overlooked those dates. And so this is our first meeting in leadership of the year. Here's a few things I wanted to share with you about leadership. I want to talk tonight about the preparation of a leader. And then I want to talk about the stewardship of a leader, the preparation of a leader and the stewardship of a leader. All leaders must be prepared and all leaders must be good stewards. And so if we're going to be leaders, we have to be prepared. I'm, I try to prepare myself for everything I have to do for the Lord. Um, it's amazing sometimes I could be going to a wedding or I could be going to a funeral. And believe it or not, I have my what we like to call, what, what do we call it? Um, our book that we use to that 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 instruct us on how to conduct a funeral or a wedding and even if I'm not preaching the funeral or I'm not um conducting the wedding ceremony I'm prepared like if something goes wrong I, can, I don't know why I do it I just can't help myself doesn't matter where I'm going if I'm going to a wedding I have some notes or something tucked somewhere to say if something goes wrong I'll be ready to do something if I'm going to a funeral, I feel the same way. Wherever I go, where something fine and well. But here's the thought that I got when it says, let no man despise your youth. There's a time coming where you won't have the energy and the strength to do the things of God. <laughs> That's what came to my mind. So when it says, let no man despise your youth, to me, I just took it all the way in to say, whatever strength and energy I have, that I can allow the Lord to work through me to be a blessing and to help to do the work of God, I have to do it now because there's coming a day where all I'm probably going to be able to do is pray, which is a great thing because I can intercede and worship the Lord. But the energy to get things done, the strength to get things done, we won't always have that. So when Paul told Timothy, let no man despise your youth, I said, well, Timothy was a young man, but Paul probably was also putting a hidden message in there just to say, you better do things while you have the strength. While you're young, you better serve the Lord because there's coming a day where you won't be able to and you'll have a whole bunch of regrets and you won't be able to do anything about it because you just don't have the strength and the energy anymore. But be thou an example. Paul told Timothy, be an example of the believers in word in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Verse number 14 says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. 
Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and save them that hear you. So this scripture is telling us if we go back and see what the Apostle Paul was telling Timothy, there's a portion of scripture here that we just read that Paul said to Timothy, if you do the things that I've told you, you will save your soul and you will save people who will hear you. Well, how are people going to hear you? If you speak. How are you going to speak if you don't know what to speak? And so as leaders, we have to really start thinking about that, that we have to begin to speak. We can't be quiet because if we speak, people will hear and they will have an opportunity to be saved. So it's important for us as leaders to speak. The Apostle Paul ran down a few things to Timothy. So the main theme of this text here that we're looking at is when we say preparation, the preparation that I'm talking about is mainly preparation in word and in spirit. Preparation in word and in spirit. So if we're going to be effective spiritual leaders, we're going to have to be prepared. And how do we prepare ourselves? In the word of God and by the spirit of God. If we're going to be effective leader or leaders, we have to prepare ourselves by having the word of God in our heart and allowing the spirit of God to guide us and help us, which will take some time and effort, investing in time and effort in studying the word of God and allowing the spirit of God to work in your life. So the word and spirit is kind of what we're going to focus on as we talk about spiritual leadership, preparing for spiritual leadership. In this passage, we see a twofold emphasis on word and spirit, mind and heart, intellect, spirituality, doctrinal truth, and spiritual anointing. Spiritual leadership in ministry is a balance of spirit and word, or word and spirit. If you're going to be an effective leader in the church, in spiritual things, the word of God is going to have to be in your heart, be in your mind, and the spirit of God, you have to rely to help you if you're going to be effective in leadership and in ministry. Sometimes you can be in a ministry under a leader and not necessarily the leader of the ministry, but you're in ministry. And anytime you're in ministry, you have to depend on the word of God and the spirit of God. In everything we do in God's kingdom, we must depend on the word of God and the spirit of God. They will always be a very, very good guide for how you conduct yourself as a leader. For how effective you will be as a leader 
the word of God and the spirit of God must be priority in your life. We can't choose one or the other. We have to have both. The Apostle Paul was studious, educated, but he was anointed. So there's nothing wrong with being educated and anointed. A lot of times in church you'll find one or the other. So you'll find some people that may be in the church that they're really intelligent, really smart, have a lot of education, but usually educated people in church are not spiritual. I'm just telling you what I know for sure. Not, I'm not guessing. Usually when you have really smart people, educated people, except for Sister Arabia, she wanted a few. It don't usually work that way. Trust me. Trust me. She's an anomaly where you're intelligent, educated, smart, and spiritual. Don't usually work that way. For all my years being in church, usually when you find a really smart person, they're just more reserved than anything else. And you never see them operating in the spirit and allowing the spirit to move them. Well, if we're going to be effective as the Apostle Paul was effective, maybe not at his level, but just from a standpoint of being effective, then we're going to have to be intelligent, educated, and anointed. That's why we have CSTI in this church. We have a lot of teaching in this church, so nobody can say they're ignorant um, from an educational standpoint. No one in this church can say, well, I just didn't know. If you don't know, it's because you didn't put the time in. But but, But this church is definitely big on making sure you are equipped educationally according to the Word of God. And then anointed-wise, obviously, the Spirit of God always have the free course in our life to do if we allow him to do it. So it's very important that if we're going to be effective leader, we got to be educated, but we also got to be anointed. The Apostle Paul had both an advanced theological and secular education, and at the same time, signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit accompanied his ministry. I don't know about you. You know, I've been saying this, and I will always say it. I can't just come to church and not see results. I refuse to do it because I read my Bible, and when I read my Bible, there's results. So if I'm living my life for Christ and I'm not seeing results, I'm upset with myself because I read my Bible and there was always results. The Apostle Paul He had plenty of education, secular and biblical, and the power of God worked in his life. So here are some specific things we need to devote ourselves to as we pursue spiritual leadership and ministry. The first thing you want to do is make sure you read. Make sure you read. Read the word of God as much as you can. To be effective, we must give ourselves to reading the Bible. We must cultivate a habit of studying God's word, studying God's word. I don't know if we do that enough. We'll read, but we don't study God's word. How do you study God's word? You take a little portion of what you've read that you might not, you're not sure exactly what it's saying. We have a tendency that when we read the Bible, if we read something that we aren't certain what it's saying or it go against what we've always thought, we kind of sit it to the side and not read it. Well, study it and see what you come up with. 
Start to research the subject in the Bible. Go to the concordance of the Bible and say, I want to see more about this subject. And remember, you have learned, for those of you that are CSTI students, you must go, when you're studying a particular word, the best way to study it is going to go to the point of first mention. When you're studying your Bible and there's a word that you're saying, what does it really mean? And some people think it means this and others think it means that. The best thing to do is to find where it was first mentioned in the Bible. And you start from there and start looking at all the other places where it was mentioned and you will get a full understanding of that word eventually. And you won't have to worry about what someone else said. You will know what the Bible was really saying and not because someone said what they thought the Bible was saying. We got to study the Bible, not just read it, study it. Also, since scripture was written in a language, culture, and time different from our own, it's beneficial to use reference works and study aids to understand it better. So you've heard me talk about the Bible is written from the viewpoint of a Middle Eastern culture. So we have to understand there are some things we're going to read and it may seem a little off to us, but it's not off. It's just because of the culture's perspective that the Bible was written in. And that's important. Time. We need to make sure we look at that. So reading is something we must do if we want to see ourselves become better spiritual leaders, and be more effective in ministry. Exhortation. What is exhortation? We must be able to exhort, to proclaim the word of God, and to advise based on the word of God. So when you have conversations with people, and they say, you go to church, don't you? And now it's time for you to give them some advice. It's, it's time for you to proclaim. Don't sound foolish. Don't sound foolish because you can, if you slip up and sound foolish, you can either drive them away from Christ or you can bring them closer to Christ. So now you see the importance of the word. We know it's important, but here's a, a situation where you, you can see that it's very important that we understand the word because people are going to ask questions and they're going to want answers and you don't want to drive them away. You know, just like I always told you, if we say faith is really, really believe God, then what happens to that person that come up to you and say, I really believe God was not going to let my grandmom die. I really believed him, but she died. What is faith? And does God really care? How are you going to answer that? Got to know your word. So exhortation, we must be ready to advise based on the word of God. When we absorb the word, it becomes part of us. Here is something that's important as spiritual leaders and those that will work in ministry. You have to protect yourself from just becoming intellectually, biblically smart. You have to do that. You have to protect yourself from being intellectually, biblically smart. Because if you don't, then that's what you will be, and you will deceive yourself in thinking that you are okay. When you eat something, it becomes a part of you, and I don't have time to try to talk about the digestive stuff. We got plenty of smart people in this church that can tell you how that all works. But when you eat something, it becomes a part of you. Well, the Word of God, we're supposed to eat it to make it become a part of us. Because you will never 
be able to communicate the word of God effectively if it's not a part of you. This is why certain preachers always kind of, their, their, their way of ministering is usually around the same kind of thing. If you listen to me preach long enough, you'll know he preach about God being one all the time and how powerful God is. He preaches about um, relationship and how important it is. He preaches a lot about the word of God. You know, you can go, you know, you know, there's certain areas that I stay in a whole lot. Well, you want to know the reason why? Because no matter where you go, you'll get the same kind of thing, but just different kind of, you know, areas that preachers stay in. Those are the things that I experienced in God. So when I'm communicating it to you, I'm not communicating it because it's intellectual. I'm communicating it because it's a part of me. That's what makes it effective. Because I realize that if I'm going to minister effectively, this is why I was worn out when I went to um, Oregon. Because whatever I preach, it's something that I've experienced. It's something that's in me, and therefore my passion and my energy and everything just goes because it's something that's in me. If someone ever asks you to teach on a subject, just go straight to something you have learned, experienced yourself, because that's where you're going to be more effective. Don't try to be smart and say, let me teach on some kind of scientific things that people, no, no, teach on something that you have experienced because it's part of you. It has become a part of you because that's just what happens when you digest this word and chew on it and digest it. It becomes a part of you and you will communicate it so different. Oh, my goodness. So it's very important to for exhortation to become a part of you as a leader or someone that's in ministry. You have to study this word till it becomes a part of you. The other thing is doctrine. I know doctrine sometimes, it, it, uh, we can make it complicated, but doctrine is just teaching. Doctrine is teaching, okay? We are to devote ourselves to the teaching we have received so we can teach others. Ask yourself, when you hear the word of God preached, do you go and echo those same sentiments after church, the next day at work, the next day at school, a couple of days later, when you go over your relatives, do you echo those sentiments you heard preached or you just kind of, okay, that was good. We have to make sure we continue down that path of where God has taken us. When that word is preached to us, we need to take it and teach it to others. That's what Paul told Timothy. Doctrine is important. It covers all the major teaching of the word of God. We are to study doctrinal truth so that we can understand, believe, and transmit the word of God. We are to study doctrinal truth so we can understand, believe, and transmit it. When you study the Word of God, there are certain principles that you will get from the Word of God that will keep you from straying. Just certain principles that you will get, and it will keep you from straying. Remember, I talk about God being one all the time because it is significant to your salvation. Because anytime you... When you fully embrace that God is one, 
then you never worry about anything else because you know God can do exceeding, abundant, above whatever I can ask or think. Because if he can become man from being a spirit and then died and rose from the grave, if he can do all of that, it's very important that you understand God is one. The other thing that I always tell people why it's important that you know God is one is because all the false religions tried to duplicate the, 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 the way of Jesus Christ. So that's why you have every, <laughs> this is funny, go check all the false religion and you'll, say, you'll see there's a deity and a prophet. I love that. There's a deity and a prophet. So there's something that they call God and this messenger or prophet that supports this God. They're separate. And that's what no other religion can duplicate because Jesus Christ is God. He's not separate. And that's another reason why God being one is important because it's the only religion where the creator of that religion is the one that, 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 that is that religion. Every other religion, you'll find out, okay, okay, all right, so, so you're telling me Allah is God, but Muhammad is his prophet. That's how they set up. Allah is God. Muhammad is his prophet. Two. Two. Jesus Christ is a prophet. Jesus Christ is a teacher. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. You can go on and on and on, but Jesus Christ is God. Not two. One. You get that, and that's how you know you're following the right way. And everything else that they talk about, even, even in legitimate religions that's supposed to be Christian, that makes the Lord two or three or whatever, they make him separate, they still have some work to do. And, and hear this, any religion that make God two or three, you can be led astray to believe false doctrine in other areas. Because it's hard sometimes to try to, 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 to try to believe God is two or three. First thing, as we like to say, is when you get to heaven, which one are you going to deal with? So, you know, we just got to, you got to accept that. That's why you hear me say it a lot, because I know how important it is to know God is one. And when you know he's one, nobody can lead you into false doctrine when you know God is one. If you believe he's more than one, then you can go down the road of false doctrine at some point in time. So doctrine is important. The other thing that's important is spiritual impartation. Spiritual impartation. We are to minister with spiritual anointing and gifts. Here Paul particularly mentioned the anointing that accompanies the laying on of hands. It's scriptural to commission leaders for service through public prayer and the laying on of hands. God honors the laying on of hands of the elders with a special anointing for the next level of ministry. So let me stop there and say, if you want to get into a certain area of ministry and you come to me and I feel like it's the will of God, when I lay my hands on you, not because I'm special, but as an elder, as an authority that God has placed in the kingdom, when I lay my hands on you and pray for you to excel and for God to use you and God's anointing to flow in your life in that ministry, it will. 
Not because me and me being special, but because God's word said that. So it's important to understand. And as we grow and we develop and more people are in a position of spiritual authority, when they lay their hands on you and pray the prayers of faith and commission, you will be successful in doing what God wants you to do. The anointing of God will flow in your life. Anyone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, especially a leader, can potentially operate any of the nine spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as need arises. So I know sometimes people like to say, my gift is this and my gift is that. Nonsense. All the gifts are of the Spirit of God. And he decides who and how he wants to use people to manifest those gifts. Now, if it just so happened that he manifests the gifts of healing in your life all the time, don't go around saying, I got the gift of healing. No, Jesus is the healer, and when he so please and choose, he works through me when I pray the prayers of faith for you to be healed. That's how you got to look at it. The other thing is devotion. If we're going to be spiritual leaders, we're going to be effective in ministry, devotion. We are to meditate on these things, practice these things, or be diligent in these matters, giving ourselves entirely to them so everyone can see our progress. Listen, people see your progress as you live for God. I never forgot this. Michael Oliver, he's dead and gone. But years, years ago, 1998, Michael Oliver said to me, Wayne, I saw the transition of the Lord in your life. I saw it. He said, I remember when you came to church. And I remember how you were living for God. And I remember he knows it. Just like I knows it. But when just like I know it. But when he said it to me, I said, My God, somebody noticed it. This is what he said. In nineteen ninety eight, I said, I want more from God. I said, I need this to be different. I want it to be powerful. I want to really be involved with the things of God. And so in 1998, I decided to stop working three jobs. I said, I'm going to work one job, not three. One job, because if I work one job, I will be able to go to church. Every time there's something going on at church, I would be able to go to church on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Friday youth service, Saturday evangelism, Bible studies in between, and wherever the pastor go and preach at, I can go. I can go to all those things now. If I have this one job working from 8.30 to 5 o'clock or from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. So I quit all my jobs. And all the jobs that I quit was giving, was paying me more money than the job I was going to stay on. But that's the job that afforded me to do the things of God. And Michael Oliver said, Wayne, I saw when you did that what happened to your life. I saw it too. But I was just paying attention for myself because it's me. 
but somebody else saw. I say that to say to you, as we are a family of God, there will be no debate. There will be no debate. As you live for God, if you trust God and submit your life to God, that people will see, oh yeah, next level. Something happened in their life. They started doing some things that when they first came, they weren't doing. Next level now. So people are watching you. People are seeing where you are. We need leaders. People need leaders. That's why we're having this class tonight. People need leaders. They need people they can lean on. People have questions. People need someone to follow. People need help. They need leaders. And so if you feel like that's what God is calling you to, you, you, you have an opportunity to shift gears now. You have an opportunity to shift gears and say, I got to do something because I know there's more in me than I'm demonstrating or displaying in the church. There's more in me. And you can't worry about it. Just shift the gear. Shift the gear. Don't worry about uh, what I told you, that if, if something remained the same, it's not growing. When you start growing, you get stretched. You become uncomfortable when you're stretched. So if you're comfortable, you're not growing. You're not stretched. And what God wants for you, you're delaying it. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Devotion is very important. Meditation in the Word of God doesn't refer to pagan practices that seek to empty the mind or thought but means to focus on spiritual things to commune with God through prayer and contemplation on his word. As leaders, our effectiveness depends primarily on personal dedication and devotion to God, not ability or talent. I was able to minister at um, Oregon on the topic, one of my sessions was talent is never enough. I was passionate about that. Why? Because when when my pastor came to me and says, I want you to be the leader of the evangelism team, I was about, in my opinion, I was about six in line when it came down to talents and ability. I was about six. There was, in my opinion, there was five people I know was way better than me to do that job. I knew it. But guess what? My pastor came to me and told me to do it. And that's why I could passionately teach. Talent is never enough. It's your availability. It's your love for people. It's, it's your dedication. It's, it's your devotion to God. Those are the things that God uses to do things in your life. It's never your talent. I watch God move talent out and bring better talent in. We used to have this girl in our church. She just was a songbird. She can sing. But after a while, she got like ornery because she feel like every good, every song come up, we ask her to sing. Can you sing? And after a while, she's like, I'm just tired. Just started moaning and groaning and complaining. And the Lord brought another one in. Was a songbird, better songbird than her? I said, Jesus, you're crazy, man. You know, I sit back, I watch the Lord operate, and I just smile and say, 
So she got, she started complaining, and you just moved her right on along, huh, Lord, and bring somebody else in that to have a better voice. Talent, Jesus give talent. And so having talent, nothing to brag, nothing to brag about. But devotion to God, meditation on God's word, your time to God and let him work in your life. Oh, man, nothing like that. That's what's going to make the difference. And finally, heeding both life and doctrine. We're talking about preparation for leadership and ministry starts with word and spirit. The word of God and the spirit of God. So all of these examples that we're given is coming from being prepared by the word of God and by the Spirit of God, for us to be effective leaders and be effective in serving in ministry. So heeding both life and doctrine. Watch your life and doctrine closely. So watch what is being taught to you, what you hold as teaching of the Word of God. Watch that and watch your life. We must be faithful in both personal life and teaching. Church people have a habit of, depending on the name of the speaker that's going to speak, they make a determination if they're going to show up. Mm-hmm. 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 And that is underestimating God. Because what you're saying is, that guy that's been preaching for 30 years that moved the crowd, he knows how to move the crowd, and I want to be moved. And this guy, I haven't heard too much about him, so I don't know. But all we really need, in essence, when we go to a service is two things we should be in a service for, to worship and praise the Lord and to receive a word from God for our life. And all it takes is somebody with a voice to get me a word. God will cause somebody to somebody from out of nowhere. And, and a lot of times I prefer to hear from someone that just don't have an idea of who I am. Because sometimes God will speak through someone. And you know what you'll say? Maybe that's not the Lord because he might know a little bit about that situation. And so you start thinking, maybe that word wasn't really from the Lord. Maybe it's just him that he just knew. And so you guess it. Now, it might be the Lord, but that, those are the thoughts that you might wrestle with if, in fact, you hear something from someone you're familiar with. But when it's someone that you know, they have no inkling or clue who I am. They have never met me. I've never shook their hand. I don't know where they're from. They don't know where I'm from. When you hear something from someone like that, you know it's the Lord and you don't question it. So sometimes we might be better off just hearing from a no-name preacher, so to speak, as opposed to hearing from a big-name preacher. Just a little food for thought. I've watched stuff like that over the years that the crowd shows up because of the name of the person that's speaking. Mm-hmm. But we got to watch our personal life and the teaching that we follow. This is imperative for all of us at whatever stage of life or ministry. We cannot compromise in either in either area, personal life or the teaching of the word of God. 
First, we must pay attention to spiritual devotion, personal consecration, and the life of holiness. Second, we must pay attention to doctrine, foundational truth, and apostolic identity. The benefits of doing so are twofold. We will save ourselves and those who hear us. If we neglect either area, we could lose our own salvation and lead others astray. In the end, effectiveness in ministry will be determined by being involved with seeing people saved. I cannot say it enough. Until you get involved with seeing people saved, being a part of people being saved, you haven't fully understood who the Lord is. You fully haven't gotten involved with the work of the kingdom until you get involved with people being saved. I can't say that enough. I can't say it enough. If we just come to church, we can't have our church be in a church that cater to us. We can't do things that only cater to us. After a while, we have to become big boys and big girls and say, okay, I know that now. I need to do something with the knowledge I have. I need to do something with what I know. We can't just come to church and have the service cater to ourselves. It will destroy us. Very important. Very important. We have to be involved with seeing people saved. Attitude of stewardship. Attitude of stewardship. I'm almost done and then we'll kind of just chat it up a little bit. Attitude of stewardship. First Thessalonians chapter 2 Verse number three says, for our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were follow, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. The apostle Paul is saying God is entrusting us with the gospel. I don't know if we stop sometimes to think about it like that. That again, remember what I've said. Jesus knew all of us being in trust with the gospel to get the message out is more effective than him just gathering up a crowd and traveling all over the world to get the gospel out. Ooh, revelation. Ooh, revelation. Mm. So now we know it's more important and more effective To scatter and all of us spread the gospel. We must scatter and spread the gospel. And it's not biblical for us to try to get a crowd in one area and tell everybody come to this area. It's not good biblical. It's not sound biblically. It's not. Because if it was, Jesus would have stayed in this earth longer than three and a half years. And build a mega church. Because who, who better can build a mega church? I think T.D. Jakes had 30,000. Creflo got, I don't know, 15,000. Just keep going. Who could build a better mega church than Jesus? 
and he wasn't interested in building a megachurch. He says, no, the most effective way for me to reach this world is to entrust you all with this gospel. And so the question now is God has entrusted us with this gospel. What are we doing with it? Because he has entrusted us with the gospel. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is our witness. I told you if I want to be a crooked preacher, I was going to preach. I, I can just preach and make you feel good. Use flattering words. See what the, see what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I didn't preach using flattering words. And so when you go to the church, if you're in the church and you like everything the pastor preach, it might not be the right place. Because God's word is not going to make you feel good all the time. <laughs> if you're in a church and you feel good about that preaching all the time, it's different if you say, well, the preacher does preach well. That's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if the word of God that's being preached make you feel good all the time, probably not the right place. Because Paul says we didn't preach to flatter you. We weren't interested in getting you flattered. That's not what we did. That's not being good stewards of the word of God. It's to make you feel good. So he says, nor of men sought we glory. We didn't sought anything to say, look at me, who I am. Paul said, no, that's not what we did. Neither of you, nor yet of others. When we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Because you were dear unto us. So when you are... A spiritual leader. You working in ministry. Not only are you imparting the word of God, the gospel, but you're giving of yourself. You can't effectively minister to people and help people and impart unto people if you're not giving of yourself. And so I believe sometimes we're challenged because to give of yourself is going to cost you something. And so we negotiate those things in our mind to try to figure out how much I give or how should I do with, deal with this because I don't want to give of myself. But you can't effectively lead, minister, share the gospel if you don't give of yourself as well. It says here, ye are witnesses and God also how holily and justly and unblameably, we have behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that ye walk, that you would walk worthy of God who had called you unto his kingdom and glory. 
So the Apostle Paul is laying it down of when you are a servant of God, a leader, a, 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 a person that's going to be in ministry, how you have to realize this is not yours and you are only stewards of what you're doing. Because there are times, trust me, a good pastor loves you dearly, and he knows when something is difficult that he has to say or minister about. And if if he's a good pastor, he doesn't want to say it. But if he's a good pastor, he says it anyhow. Why? Because it's not his stuff. He's a steward. The Apostle Paul relationship to the church in Thessalonica is a good example of spiritual leadership in action. He was the founder of the church and served as overseer. He had boldness. The entire passage teaches leaders to be kind and patient and to avoid offense in personally in, in personality or approach. So as leaders, we have to do our very best uh, to avoid uh, conflict. We must do our very best to avoid offending or offending people. I'm not saying offense won't happen. I'm not saying conflicts won't happen. But you better be working your hardest to make sure it doesn't. That's what spiritual leaders are. At the same time, leaders must have a holy boldness. Spiritual boldness isn't worldly arrogance, pride, or self-will, but confidence in the gospel, God's call, and God's anointing. We can't fear the devil or carnal people, but we are to proclaim the word of God in love and kindness with clarity and certainty. So if we're going to be good stewards, we have to do our very best. To not offend, to not get in conflict, but we still have to have a holy boldness. Honesty. Paul did not minister from error, impurity, or deceit. We cannot use deceitful words or tactics in order to achieve spiritual results. As people, all of us are manipulators. Every one of us in this room have some ways of manipulation in us. Because when you want what you want, you're going to figure out a way to get it, even if it's not legit. So we all have some ways of manipulation in us. So yes, you, yes, you, yes, you, including me. We have to do our very best to not let that become a part of us as spiritual leaders and people that work in ministry. Uh, I've watched that over the years, and I understand it now. Uh, you know, people, some pastors get into that mode, go down that lane of trying to get people to do what they know they are supposed to do. And so sometimes they go beyond where they should go to try to get people to do what they're supposed to do. You can't do that. As much as you know it's what's right and what's best for them, you can't manipulate people or to try to coerce people into doing something. You have to teach them what the word of God says and leave it right there. So as spiritual leaders, that's all of us. 
as people that are in ministry, that's all of us. So let's say you're the, you're the head usher and, and, and people don't come uh, on time or people don't show up for their responsibility to be an usher. You can't start manipulating and start saying things to get them to come. All you can do is love them. All you can do is just teach them what the word of God says, and that's all you can do. But you can't get into manipulation because it never works. Manipulation, if you, if you manipulate someone to do something, you're going to have to keep manipulating them for them to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So as much as you want to see people do better sometimes, as much as you know that if they will do what the word of God says that you're telling them, you still can't do anything but just tell them what the word says. We have to be honest. We can't manipulate. We have to be honest. But let the word of God work through simple, sincere, anointed presentation. And that's a great point. When you speak the word of God, let it work from a standpoint of anointed presentation. Because you know what? When we speak the word, it's the spirit of God that's going to work for the word to impact your life anyway. There's nothing we can do about it. So it's a lesson that we all need to take as spiritual leaders and those that are part of ministry. We need to just let the word of God work. We can't do anything other than that. Just be simple about it. Be sincere uh, proclaiming the word of God and presenting the word of God and God will do the rest and the individual is up to them to receive it and do something about it. Stewardship of God's gospel. A steward is a manager or an administrator. A steward is a manager or administrator, not a owner. A steward is not an owner. All of us are stewards, starting with the pastor on straight through. All of us are stewards. And the capacity in how we lead, the capacity in how we serve, we are stewards. And if we start acting like whatever we're doing, we own it, we're in trouble. And so if I'm ushering, I don't own the ushering department. If I'm the musician, I don't own the musician department. If I'm, if, if, if I'm the Sunday school teacher, I don't own the Sunday school department. If Whatever I am, I don't own it. If I'm the pastor, I don't own the church. I remember one time my kids say, Dad, you're the owner of the church. I almost lost it. Almost lost it on my kids. You know how I feel about my babies. I said, no, Daddy, don't ever say that. I said, this is God's church, and Daddy is the pastor, and we're all a part of God's church. I will not let that go without being checked. My kids will not grow up in because Going down this road, I don't open a can of worms. I will not raise up entitled pastor's kids. I'm not doing it. We're all servants of God, and we serve in different capacities. My kids will not be in church acting like entitled pastor's kids. I will knock them out. I will not play that. We're all serving God. That has killed a lot of churches, preachers' kids acting like they're entitled, and they can do whatever they want. No, you can't, and you get treated like everybody else in church. Is when we get home, I'm your daddy. But in church, I'm the pastor. And I'm going to pastor you like I pastor every one of those people because I love them. So I pastor you like I pastor everybody. Now, when we get home and we're going to sit down and have father-children time, that's different. 
But in that church, don't play games with me. Mm-mm. You can tell I'm a little bit passionate about that one. <laughs> if people refuse to follow his teaching or your teaching, you can't take it personal. The Apostle Paul never took it personal when people didn't follow his teaching. All you can do is present it. When you're at work and you're trying to be a witness and people start attacking you, you can't take it personal. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the Apostle Paul felt personally responsible for the gospel, but he knew the gospel wasn't his. He cannot compromise the gospel. You or I cannot compromise the gospel. We're stewards of the gospel. He, the Apostle Paul, could not modify it to suit his or others' preferences, for he was accountable to God. Therefore, he did not seek to please people, but to please God. He did not seek to influence people with flattery, nor was he influenced by personal motives such as greed, self-gratification, or self-glorification. In short, spiritual leaders are God's messengers. They can't allow personal feelings or motives to deflect them from their call, message, or task. All right, and I'm done here. Four, stewardship of God's people. Whatever ministry you're in, you are a steward in leading God's people in that area. You're not God's people. You're not the owner of God's people. You're just the steward that God is using to lead his people in that capacity. Christians are God's people by way of the new birth. Spiritual leaders are not owners of God's people, but stewards. We are not to treat people. We are to treat people with respect, love, and compassion. Love does not mean to compromise truth. It means to speak the truth in love. Paul was bold in proclaiming truth without fear or favor, but was also gentle with people, nurturing them and caring for them like a nursing mother. Do we know how to be gentle with people when it comes down to this gospel and being a spiritual leader? Do we know how to do that? I watched my son Ethan did that one Sunday, but I think the Holy Ghost was in this place. <laughs> I'm not going to take away your, your, your um, credit, Ethan. I remember the Sunday we started talking about um, standards of how we need to present ourselves. And man, the Holy Ghost must have been still on Ethan from singing. Ethan made a statement and the statement, he was just calm and just made it and laid it out like here it is, right? And that's what we're supposed to do as spiritual leaders is be able to make the point according to the word of God and just be as calm and gentle and caring and just leave it where it is. It's all we can do. Can't manipulate it. Finally, number five, as stewards, we must be Christian examples. We must be Christian examples. In the same passage, Paul 
describe himself as acting like both a father and a mother toward the people to whom he ministered to. He devoted his life to them. His concerns for his hearers was paramount. In summary, we see Paul's Christian example to his followers. A life of holiness, righteousness, and blamelessness combined with a ministry of exhortation, encouragement, and admonition. He ministered simultaneously simultaneously as a father, mother, and servant. You are an example wherever you go as God's representative in how you look, in how you talk, in how you conduct yourself. You are God's example. Any questions on spiritual leadership and ministry? Word and spirit and stewardship. Any questions? Any comments? We're all good? All right. Since we're all good, got you some food in a second. I'm going to let you eat in a second. Listen to this. (laughs) I mentioned not long ago that our organization have established a strategic growth plan for our organization, our entire organization. The United Pentecostal Church is the largest apostolic organization in the world. And so we have come up with a strategic growth plan to make sure that we will continue the work of God until God decides to return to this earth. And so what our general superintendent has done is task every superintendent over the districts to mimic the plan that he has established from the top and let it flow down. We can tweak it in whatever way we want to, but we have to have a gross strategic plan. And so I looked at that and I felt like the Lord moved on my heart and says, every church needs to have a growth strategic plan. And so I'm nervous. I get real nervous when I don't see our congregation, because again, it's you know, you know, one of the few things I always you know, talk about constantly. I get real nervous when I don't see a lot of effort being put into reaching lost people because that's how the church grow. I get real nervous. I get nervous for a lot of reasons. The first reason I get nervous for is that I know, no, that's not the first reason. I'm not going to put it in order. But some of the reasons why I get nervous is this. If the church don't grow and we cater to ourselves, it's not going to last long. So that gets me nervous. If all we do is come and pastor preach, music play, singers sing, usher ushers, whatever we give our offering, if that's all we do, sooner or later, we're going to come down to nothing. People are going to leave. It's not going to work. And we're going to turn on one another. So when we don't get involved, that's the kind of game we're playing. And so what's going to happen is, We'll, we'll be left with a few good faithful people that will stay here till the bricks come off. Just a few. Getting old with your cane coming. And, and so I'm coming in with my cane. 
And eventually, all of us die because we just got old, and then we got to shut the church doors. That's what happened to churches that don't get involved with souls. I'm telling you. I'm not asking you. That's a fact. This is why our general superintendents say we better start with a strategic growth plan. Because if we don't, all the churches that's been around for 20 and 30 and 40 years, people are just going to start getting old. And when your church starts getting old, young people don't come. Young people don't come to old people church. Young people go to church that make them stay young and vibrant and energetic. They're not coming to old churches. So you will just be in church with a whole bunch of old people till y'all die and the church door close. We got to do something about that. The other thing that, that scares me too is you're not going to be as healthy as you can spiritually if you don't get involved with reaching lost people. You won't be healthy. So that, that's something also that we need to look at. The other thing I worry about is, okay, there are some things that God is not going to give us until we get involved with that. I can go on and on and on about it. So to grow the church is not up to us, but we are supposed to do what it takes for God to give increase. And what is that? We need to get involved in spreading the gospel, getting involved with people. Remember, the way it works is befriending people, becoming friendly with them, and eventually discipling them, whether home Bible study or however you want to do it, but discipling them till they become a citizen of the kingdom of God. All of us are charged by the Lord with that. And life cannot get, uh, life cannot get in the way of that. Because guess what? Discipleship flows with life. Discipleship flows with life. When you go to work, do you take lunch at the same time with someone? Are they saved? Just, just, just give me an indication. If you take lunch with someone, are they saved? Okay, let me take another step further. Do you go to the same gas station most of the times? Do you go to the same cleaners all the times? Do you go to the same laundromat all the times? Do you have a neighbor? I can keep going because that's the life that you live every day. So in you living your life every day, that's how you befriend people and begin to disciple them till they become saved and become a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus did. That's his model. And that's what he's expecting of us. Let's say you say all of those things you just can't do because, you know, you're moving all the time. Then that's where we say here for every guest, we say we we had over 100 guests in 2018. So now we can ask ourselves of over those 100 guests in 2018, did you befriend any one of those to the point where you were talking with them on the phone or on social media in some way or meeting up with them for lunch or for dinner where you befriended them and ministered to them and was able to disciple them? All of these avenues we got to get working on because it will make us spiritually healthy. It will help our church to grow and God will do what he wants to do. Very important that we do that. Um, 